This is John Jackson Miller, writer of Star Wars A New Dawn, and welcome to Execute Chapter 66. Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight we will be talking about Darth Maul, Shadow Hunter, a 2001 book by Michael Reeves that, is, that has recently been given new life by a re-release and a new audiobook narrated by none other than Sam Witwer. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and joining me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you first, Chad. Uh, your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We're going to spoil this, as Beth said, book from 2001. Over the course of our conversation, we may spoil anything else Star Wars. So that has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, what's going on? Uh, this week, we got a little bit of Disney Plus and a little book, comic book news. <laughs> On the Disney Plus side, the first Andor ratings have come out, and they aren't great. <laughs> um, Andor is tracking less than any other Disney Star Wars show. You know, I'd just like to say, if you're one of those people that is refusing to watch it or let off, you are subjectively wrong and don't really like Star Wars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hard to agree. So that's all I'll say about that. There are... Rumors on the old fake hollow going around that another actress has been cast as Ahsoka for the show, and it's a young girl, and that we may be getting flashbacks to like Clone Wars era Ahsoka in live action. Ooh. We do know Hayden's going to be on there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Might we actually get some live action? Like, we've already seen that they're taking scenes from Rebels. Might we see a Clone Wars? Like, can I see her walk down the steps alone in live action? It, it might make me cry. Do I want to? <laughs> I, I mean, that's a legit question, right? Do we want to see that? I, if you would have asked me if I wanted to see that Rebel scene live, I might have said, do I want it? And then I saw it. And the answer was yes. Yes, I do. Over on the publishing side, Grey's comic that she is writing, Quest of the Jedi, is going to be a 30-page one-shot. It will come out in February. So we knew they had kind of changed it. You know, it had gone from a miniseries, and now we know it's a one-shot, a little longer than your typical issue of a comic. But... So that would be out in February. I can't remember if we talked about this. Did we? I don't think we did. They've announced Dawson has a new book coming out called Inquisitor Rise of the Red, which will be about uh, the Inquisitor that we first met in the Soul Vader comic. And then also on the comic side, um, Sonastaros is getting her own miniseries. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be six issues. It's going to be written by Justina Ireland, who we'll be talking about real soon. So that should be a really cool one. I think we're going to get some of her background and kind of fill in what we don't know about Santa. Well, and her family has roots in the High Republic, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then speaking of the High Republic, they've kind of, they released some of the covers for Wave 2. So we got information on the second adult book, um, which will be Cataclysm, 
by Lydia Clank, Kang, excuse me. And then we got the cover for Quest of Planet X by Granton, which is the um, Young Reader book. And then Path of Vengeance by Kevin Scott, which is the second YA book. They have also released basic synopsis of what the books are about. And it looks like High Republic for Phase 2 is going to take a little bit of a different route than the first phase. It looks like the YA books are going to tell one story. That it's you're going to follow the Path of the Open Hand, which we'll talk about when we get to Path of Deceit. Um, but that the YA books are going to cover that story. And then the adult books are going to cover the two planets that are at war. And then the YA books are more going to cover the Planet X, Jedi stuff. Um, and Jedi stuff is going to be also in the comics. So it's kind of an interesting different path they're taking for this phase. Um, whereas before you kind of jumped around, this one seems more like you can read just the YA books and see this part of the story, or you can read just the adult books and see this part of the story. And they all kind of tie together, but they're going to tell a bigger through line. Um, and it's reflected the covers are real cool too. Like the covers this time all go together. The Path of the Sea, Path of Destruction all have this kind of blue similar look. And the adult books have this kind of yellow orange. Um, so I think it's an interesting kind of way they're going to handle it. My, may I object to the use of Path of Destruction? That's the name of the first Darth Bane book. It is. is it, it, I might be wrong. It's Path of Destruction, right? Oh, I'm sorry. It's Path of Vengeance. Path of Vengeance. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm just okay. so used to Path of Destruction. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Sorry. It's, yeah. So it's Path of Vengeance that we'll see Martyr Rowan next. And the third one will be Path of something else. Right. They're all going to have Path in the title. Yeah, it's like, it's a double meaning. <laughs> yeah. Um, triple. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably triple. They use, they use Path in a lot of different ways in these books. Uh-huh. And then our last uh, High Republic news, uh, Phase 3 will start in November of next year and is called Trials of the Jedi. So it will be how we wrap up the High Republic. I say wrap up. They're, you know, they're going to finish Phase 3. There's no way they're getting away from this. I can see like this story being done. Yeah. But there there's no way they don't go back to something. This era. Well, I mean, we still have the acolyte too, right? So Right. Yeah. And I imagine phase three, I mean, if it goes like it's been going, should dead end into the acolyte. Chad, what's going on in the comics? We got Star Wars Visions number one by uh, Takashi. Uzazaki. I think I got that right. Um, it's a prequel to the Vision short film from Star Wars Visions. Um, it's a prequel to the the duel, um, mm. the, the first episode um, about the Ronin and his trusty droid. Uh, the black and white story seems self-contained, so I don't know how many issues there are going to be. And if they're going to tell stories from some of the other episodes of Visions or not, I don't know if it's all based on the Ronin or, or what, but it kind of surprised me. I didn't know it was coming out, so. Does it fit with the book? Because we got a little bit about who he was. Yeah, um, it takes place like literally like just before, I think. So it doesn't really get into his past that much. It's just a little tale involving him and his droid. Mm -hmm. So it's like fairly inconsequential, but it was good. Uh, Star Wars number 28 by Sewell and Andreas Genole. Uh, Luke goes undercover. We get a whole lot of Hera. And the Alliance learns about a secret Imperial construction project. So far, no Bothans in sight. 
Uh, Darth Vader number 28 by Pack and I and Echo. Man, Sabe sure is in deep with this Vader thing. Uh, I'm beginning to worry that she's giving into the dark, and I'm not the only one because some of her old friends are going to come get her. Ooh, nice. As Ryan said, the High Republic is back with High Republic number one by Kevin Scott and Ario Anandito. The comics have restarted, and this first issue revolves around a summit of Force users being held in the holy city of Jeddah, which relates to the first novel. And um, yeah, so like Ryan said, uh, the comics, it looks like the comics are going to be telling the story. It's, it's split into two stories, but they both involve this conclave of Force worshippers religions yeah yeah force religions or whatever that is all these people that believe in the force but um but yeah no that's it but yeah high republic is back which is very exciting he is behind everything in the shadows always but soon very soon he will reveal himself with your help the jedi can stop sidious before it's too late too late for what? The Republic to fall? It already has, and you just can't see it. There is no justice, no law, no order, except for the one that will replace it. The time of the Jedi has passed. They cannot defeat Sidious. But together, you and I can. Every choice you have made has led you to this moment. All right. So before we get into the book tonight, um, which is obviously all about Darth Maul, let's uh, let's just start by talking a little bit about Darth Maul. I guess if you create a character that looks that cool, but dies in the first movie, you're excited to see him get to come back in some way, shape, or form. But it does also have to make sense. Um, So, well, Chad, I don't understand these faces you're making. (laughs) Oh, okay, you're holding something up the camera like it was relevant. We're looking at pictures of toys. Ryan sent me something. <laughs> I'm listening. I mean, I think that's a good symbolic <laughs> of how I felt about Darth Maul after 1999. <laughs> okay, I don't know where to pick back up. Uh, I don't even know where the hell I stopped. I just got totally derailed. <laughs> yes. We're talking about Maul. So... Star Wars has this fun habit of introducing a character and killing them off without telling you almost anything about them. Cool looking characters that we want to know about. No, cool looking characters that we want to know about. (laughs) Boba Fett's a pretty cool looking character. Come on. Original Boba Fett's a pretty cool looking character. I, I mean, if we want to start getting into it. I mean, I think Boba Fett is the template for Maul. Like, I purposely think that's what they're doing. I mean, I'm I'm certain they yeah. did, but after after Jedi, I did not need to know anything else about Boba Fett. It's like, oh, that's a cool idea. No, okay, well, he's dead. He obviously wasn't that good a bounty hunter. That's fair. I was just commenting on the fact that he was a cool looking character who died. Yeah. An unceremonious death. Fair enough. They did they did the same setup with Phasma. 
they yeah. made her to be a big yeah, deal fett, and so. and then she was not so when maul first came back were you for it were you were you against it i mean i think it depends on which comeback you're talking about like i know when this book came out like i had zero interest whatsoever like Maul was such a, I, I, I don't know the word for it. Like he was such a tease. Like that's the big moment in the trailer, right? That's the, oh my God, double blade lightsaber. It's how the trailer ends. Like, I mean, I remember being in the theater going to see whatever. I can't even remember. What movie was it that had the Wing trailer? Command. Yeah. Okay. So I remember going to see that. Wing Commander. And I mean, I can remember the theater just like losing their mind when he lit the other side of the saber. And then the movie happens. And I mean, the fight, I mean, there's no. He's the best part of the movie. Yeah, I don't think there's any argument that Duel of the Fates is amazing. Yeah. I think he gets more screen time than people give him credit for. He does. He does. It's that he doesn't talk. I mean, he has the one line. Yeah. And but see, I, to me, I liked that he didn't talk. That made him scarier to me. He yeah, didn't talk. and I think they were trying to do that on purpose, right? Like, that's like the yeah. mystery of the Sith. You know, if you... Yeah, if, if you had him talk to Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan or, you know, if he's talking trash on Tatooine in that scene, it changes it completely. Yeah, he's not a trash talker. And, and, and it's... I don't know. I was never disappointed in his depiction in Phantom Menace because I got what I wanted out of him, which was a big badass lightsaber fight with that double bladed lightsaber. And and yeah, he was scary. He was scarier because he didn't talk. He was the coolest looking thing I'd ever seen. The only thing that dampened my enthusiasm for the character was my dampened enthusiasm for the movie. You know, <laughs> but but again, he's 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 the best part of the movie, like the duel of the fates is the best part of that film. And he's at the middle of it. Um, and I remember when the hype was so big. I mean, I remember, I think we talked about like when we went to that midnight release of the toys. Yeah. I mean, I remember like the chaos of people trying to find malls and me and Pete took one from a guy who had stolen it from a child. Like, <laughs> grabbed it before, and we were like, nah, dude. And, like, <laughs> got it back and gave it to the kid. Um, I was there that night. That was It was crazy. That night was nuts. I spent yeah. so much money. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. But, I, yeah, I mean, after Phantom Menace, I, I didn't care about Maul. Like, I, it happened, you know, it gave us the behind-the-back Obi-Wan lightsaber which we've all talked about is the best thing ever but you know and then when he showed up on clone wars i mean i'll admit the spider legs yeah you know they they were a little a little silly um but for the show it was fine i've never a hundred percent bought into the hate has somehow kept me alive story that was a, a stretch to bring him back, I, I think, from... I don't know a lot about Zabrak physiology, so I, I feel like I would have needed more of an explanation 
then hate kept me alive, even though I was chopped in half and my legs are down a Naboo sewer. I, I, this is, this is a different him coming back because this book takes place before the Phantom Menace. So this isn't really him coming back. The, the coming back I was referring to was the, when he was suddenly alive and had spider legs and, and really, really, really hates Obi-Wan Kenobi a lot. Even though he started it. Savage. Well, I think it's, I think it's important to remember too, that the return of Maul is one of the last things that George Lucas did. Yeah. Star Wars. Cause those episodes were written by Katie Lucas's daughter and George, um, helped out. So like bringing back Maul was done with George's blessing. It might even been his idea, you know? Um, so it was one of the last things that he did. Was I against it at first? Sure. I think most of us thought, uh, he did his one. We thought he was cut in half. What, 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 what else can you do? He was cut in half. Um, and then also you think like maybe it takes a little bit away from Obi-Wan's victory. Uh, over him. But I thought when he was had the spider legs and was kind of nuts at first, I thought he was kind of scary and spooky. And they did a good job with that. And then, of course, going forward, he was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like going forward, they found a way to make me get past the hate kept me alive thing, which I admit I agree is a little hokey. But once you got past that, and especially once he got his new, his new uh, Lieutenant Dan fake legs, he turned back. He turned into a great character. Yeah, I mean, I think, and we've talked about it. He's one of, I think, the biggest kind of cartoon book, whatever you want to say, like rede- redeemed characters. Like you've gone from this nothing in the movies to one of the more fully fleshed out Star Wars characters who has a really clear and interesting motivation, who who has interactions with a ton of our main characters. Yeah. Throughout the thing. He, he serves as kind of a, a mentor to Ezra for a short amount of time. Well, um, it's, you know, it's he so fights crazy. Ahsoka. Yeah. Like how you go from fan of menace, which is just this, you know, whatever to his death in rebels being one of the more powerful star Wars moments, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. And in between there though, he rules Mandalore. Yeah. I mean, like he starts, he has, I mean, he he does a whole lot of, he, he, he does, he creates a, the biggest crime syndicate in the galaxy. He somehow teaches Kira to go toe to toe with Vader. We don't know how, (laughs) but we don't know yet. He they ended up really running with the character and making him integral to at least to the animated shows. I mean, he has his cameo in Solo. I I don't I don't fear this now, but at first I did fear that this was going to be a a resurgence. The popularity and the way it actually they made it work would be an excuse for them to go back later and bring back other characters in some kind of outlandish way. I don't think that we're in that danger. I think we've moved past the time that they would feasibly be able to do that. But I was a little nervous for a while that that was going to be a thing. Well, that's one thing that one of the reasons I was against it is this isn't Marvel Comics. In Star Wars, people tend to stay dead. 
it's changed a little bit now with Palpatine and Boba Fett, but still characters do tend to stay dead um, or did at least. Well, the world between worlds gives you so much well opening yeah. to do it now. Now, will we ever see that again? Who knows? But even if it was just for the siege of Mandalore, it was worth bringing him back. I was going to say those yeah. those last four episodes of the Clone Wars really kind of sealed the deal for me. There was nothing else they could have done that would made me go, yeah, I don't know if they should have brought Maul back. I, his his story, like the tragic part of it, I was thinking about. It's almost better played as far as the tragedy of the dark sign being used by she it's almost better in some ways than vader like the way you just see him get used and that he has that realization like my whole life was screwed by this one guy you don't get that scene with vader really like the comics kind of go into it but they can't go too hardcore into it because chief still has to be his master and all that stuff but I really liked that part of the character. Well, and I think we'd also be remiss to point out that's what a good job Sam Witwer did with taking a character that had one line mm-hmm. and turning him into something, turning and giving him a, a, a real voice that doesn't necessarily sound like the character in the movie, mm-hmm. um, but played him with real oddly enough, real humanity, mm-hmm. you know, despite his evil deeds. Well, and they made him such, it made him such a good foil for Ahsoka. Like it yeah. gave her, her, give her a mirror, her arch villain or whatever. Yeah. But it was done good enough where like, when you're watching them talk, like particularly in that season seven, where you're like, yeah, he's kind of right. Like and you <laughs> see Ahsoka being like, Hey, oh yeah, Soka's totally yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he does, and, and he's still cool looking. Oh like, yeah, he's still he's still one of the coolest looking things Star Wars ever made. Mm-hmm. Like from 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 the moment we saw him in the trailer to the moment he got killed again, he's still one of the cooler looking characters mm-hmm. uh, in Star Wars. Well, and since he only had one line, it. it it wasn't like a lot of people were going to sit well, except Star Wars nerds were going to sit and notice that that's not the right voice. He sounds completely different. They they found they found a way to imbue him with um, actual character and actual humanity, and uh, and I thought that was pretty impressive for a guy who was cut in half. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that we watched get chopped in half. That I cheered for getting chopped in half like five times in one weekend. <laughs> I know Katie Lucas took a lot of crap when it happened and the show took a lot of crap when it happened, but with what they ended up doing with them, it's pretty great. I I think if it had been done live action, it would have been a lot harder to digest to digest and to be okay with. But since it was a cartoon, I think it, it kind of settled in a lot easier. Well, and it also brought us into the night sisters and we, you know, we got a lot more Dathomir because of it. Um, Mother Talzin, Savage Opress, of course, is his brother. Which, you know, people have mixed feelings on him, you know. Um, Yellow Maul, basically, <laughs> is all he really was. Um, yellow, kind of bro-y, beefy Maul. I was going to say, he's he's Yellow Maul on roids. Yeah, yeah, he's much beefier. Um 
but uh, but but by bringing him in, it brought in you know, and 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 he made an indelible mark on Mandalore as well. I mean, the 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 Mandalorian Death Watch partisans or whatever still wear wear like crowns to to imitate his horns and stuff. And well, he killed Satine. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. No, he was he's very instrumental in that story. Um, in Rebels, he was very instrumental in in Ezra's tale, um, and he was part of Ezra's development as a Jedi. Um, and then, yeah, all the way up to his final. And, and as we found out, you know, he helped run Crimson Dawn and all the other crime syndicates, and he 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 just becomes this major player that he that we never would have thought of him being. Um, and if it wasn't so damn cool, I would think it was hokey, but it's, it's really cool. (laughs) They did do a good job of having that story be like a story that could take place in the background. Right. Cause there's always that question when you bring a character back like that. Well, why in revenge of the Sith don't they talk about this? That Maul is running around or why? And they did a good job. Like, yeah, he's out in the shadows. He's so. Do you think what do they do now though with him? They're gonna have to do something. Like they're gonna show the Kira Mall story somewhere. They might do that. Yeah, but I feel like I've had enough Mall. I feel like I'm 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 at top Mall level. You've been properly mauled. I've been mauled. <laughs> do you yeah. think if Solo's reception is better? We, we get, get more. a movie of that. I don't think we get a movie. Nah. I think there's a chance we see it in the comics or something. There's a chance we see flashbacks in Hidden Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I think the only story left to tell is the story of him and Kira. Uh, that's the only gap in his in his timeline, really. So um, they could show that. But I, I think it's also could just be best left up to the imagination as well. You know, so he, he's already been really busy for half a dude. Half a dude who died. But I think we can agree, like, is is drastic and is kind of hokey as it seemed at first. It panned out um, and turned out to be a good idea. On paper, it still seems hokey, but in execution, it just worked out. Yeah, I definitely explained that to someone. They were like, I think after Solo, they were like, how how is he still alive? And I was like, well, sometimes when you're very angry, (laughs) they were like, that's stupid. I was like, "Eh, it's Star Star Wars, you know? Before the hooded figure's image had time to solidify, Maul dropped to one knee and bowed his head. Master... What do you wish of your servant? The Sith Lord regarded his apprentice. I am pleased with the way you dealt with the Black Sun assignment. Their organization will be in disarray for years. Maul nodded slightly in acknowledgement. Such offhanded praise was the most he ever got in recognition of his work, and that only rarely. But praise, even from Sidious, did not matter. All that mattered 
was serving his master. All right, Darth Maul Shadowhunter. Aboard the Trade Federation freighter Sayakik, Newt Gunray finds that his second-in-command, Hoth Monchar, the deputy viceroy of the Federation, has gone missing. Unfortunately, it's too late to do anything about it, because at the moment, Darth Sidious is on the hollow. The Dark Lord of the Sith questions Gunray about the missing Nemoidian. He panics and tells Sidious that Monchar is sick. But of course, being a Sith, he sees through that lie, and when the conversation ends... He sends his apprentice Darth Maul after the missing Deputy Viceroy, while the Nemoidians send a bounty hunter with the same purpose. At the same time, Jedi Padawan Darsha Asant prepares for her final mission before becoming a Jedi Knight. She will be sent to the Crimson Corridor in the Zikri sector of Coruscant. There she must pick up a former Black Sun employee named Ulf the Fondorian, who is willing to trade information about the recent reorganization in the upper ranks of the criminal syndicate in exchange for protection by the Jedi Order. Unfortunately, when she does find Ulth, the ship they were supposed to travel in is damaged by raiding thugs who try to kill them both. Though the Padawan is able to fend them off, the two of them have no choice but to zip line up to the top of a building to get to the Jedi Temple. Bad luck strikes again when hawk bats attack them, resulting in Ulth falling off Darsha just as she arrives at the top of the building. Knowing that she has failed since Ulth died, she informs her master, Anun Bandara, of her failure, assuming it's time to go tell the Council and get kicked out of the Jedi. Instead, they travel back to the Crimson Corridor, and even though Ulth's body isn't where it was supposed to be, Bandara and Darsha still conclude that he is dead because... There's some bloodstains. Darth Maul eventually finds Hathmonchar and learns from him while interrogating the hapless Nemoidian. The latter had already sold a Sith holocron to an inform- information broker named Lorne Pavan and his protocol droid partner, I5YQ. Maul is aware that this holocron happens to contain all of the information regarding Sidious's plans to bring down the Jedi Order, take down the Republic, and blockade Naboo, I guess, is important as well in there somehow. I feel like the other two things are bigger. But Maul executes Monchar for his treachery against Sidious by decapitating him with his lightsaber. The Nemodian bounty hunter, Maui Lin, also tracks down Monchar at the same time, but is too late to do anything besides fire a rocket into a very enclosed space. She blows herself up, but of course Maul is able to escape and sets off to find Pavan and I-5. When he does, he ends up chasing them down so he can kill them before they spread this information further. The Jedi can't be allowed to get it, but what Maul doesn't know is that Lorne hates the Jedi and they're the last people he would go to. Several years ago, he worked for them, but his son was discovered to be Force-sensitive. To keep away the temptation of attachment, the Jedi rather unceremoniously kicked Lorne out on his ass, and he's been scratching out a fairly meager existence ever since. As they travel back to the Jedi Temple to report to the Council regarding Ulf the Fondarian's death, 
Darsha and Bandara run into Pavan and I-5 just as they're being chased by Darth Maul. This is a book with many, many chance encounters. Bandara confronts Maul alone while Darsha leads the others to safety. During the battle, Bandara sacrifices himself by exploding Maul's speeder with his own lightsaber, giving Darsha, Lorne, and I-5 time to escape. During a long chase through the bowels of Coruscant, the trio has the trio has to fight weird cannibal things like chuds, but in space. So I guess space chuds, as well as some kind of giant bridge-building silkworm that is invisible to the Force, before once again being tracked down by Maul. Asant does battle with Maul while I-5 carbon freezes Pavan in an attempt to hide and protect him. When Darsha realizes she can't win, she, guess what, sets off an explosion that kills her. But once again, Maul survives. Guess nobody told her about the bounty hunter from earlier. Since Darth Maul can sense no life in the warehouse, he believes all of his targets are dead, and he heads back to his master with news of success. Pavon is thawed out, and this time he starts hunting Maul, looking for payback for Asant's death. Because knowing her for half a day has overcome years of hatred towards a Jedi, and he somehow fell in love with her or something. It's an excuse to get him out where Maul can kill him before he tells the Jedi about there being Sith running around. Lorne contacts someone who owes him a favor, and he gives Lorne an old ship to use in his suicide mission while promising to deliver I-5 to the Jedi. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. Using a piece of the force-blocking worm thing, Lorne is able to get the holocron and run away, Guess he wasn't too interested in revenge after he gets his arm chopped off. And he escapes to a group of senators and hands the holocron over to our good friend Sheev, who promises to get it to the Jedi. And he rushes Lorne off to a hospital. Maul confronts Pavan in the hospital, and the Sith Lord decides to give the man a quick death for managing to present a worthy challenge. Pavan's last thoughts are of his son Jack's. With that, Maul leaves. Mission accomplished. So, first question. Would this have been a better book if the information they had wasn't that the Trade Federation was about to start a war and there's a Sith running around? I don't know. It seems pertinent to what happens next. It, it is, and also you know that every one of these people is going to die because no one who has this information can possibly live because this information doesn't get out. I mean, this book comes out roughly six months after Phantom Menace. They really don't have a lot else to go on. <laughs> like that's, that's pretty much all the information they've got is there's going to be a trade blockade. <laughs> and, so they're kind of trapped in, I guess, what they can show. Um, That's fair. I think it does. I, I think it does. It is detrimental to the book somewhat. You know, no one's making out of this alive. Like, you can't have them come out alive. And so you're just kind of biding the time until one of them dies one after the other. Until everybody blows themselves up. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, he's the Terminator, right? It's that. <laughs> it's that method. It's that that strategy. That that structure of just you have this unstoppable force coming to kill them. Um, while we meet characters that we we kind of like. I kind of liked the main laid characters. They were fine. With the real story is this unstoppable monster that's coming to get them. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I see your point though that because because we know that no one knows it that they all have to die. But I guess I always assumed. Now I read this when it came out. I guess I always assumed they would all all die anyway because that was the point of the book was mm-hmm. to show what a badass he is. You know? Yeah. To me. Well, that's so, that's fair. I just feel like Lorne Lorne could have survived. Yeah, they could have had Lorne survive. Well, but he ends up falling in love with a Jedi, so he was he would have gone to tell the Jedi if he had survived. Maybe, um, yeah. Does he love her though, or does he just kind of think she's hot? I, I think it's both though, because he goes hard on that revenge thing. He does go hard on the revenge at the end, which is one of my problems with the book. Yeah, is that that he he knows it just seems like the others sacrifice themselves in the moment to save others. He just goes on a revenge quest against a guy who can clearly kick his ass. Uh And it, it feels a little, I mean, you said it is a suicide mission, Um, but it didn't feel necessarily in character that he would go on a suicide mission. Like it, it, it just felt like they needed to, it felt like the writer needed to clear up the last dangling plot string. So let's, let's have him, uh, let's have him go after him. No. And I, I feel like Lorne could have been a, a better character by, you know, making peace with, uh, what happened to his son. And I, I actually liked him and the idea of someone who's kind of affiliated with the Jedi, like having their child taken away by the Jedi. It yeah. is an interesting idea, and I think it would have been cool to look into it, but they don't even really get into how how and what happened until like two-thirds of the way through the book. Oh, yeah, they want it to be a mystery. Why does he hate the Jedi, you know? Yeah, they kind of pepper through it, using the name Jax a few times without ever really saying who Jax is. Not Jackson. Yeah, that's, that's, that's different. That's a that's a, like a seven foot tall bunny man. I just feel like it so could like, it could have been interesting, more interesting to like look into that, to like look into that further rather than just go, oh yeah, his son was stolen with by the Jedi and uh, he's pissed about it. Anyway, uh, Maul's chasing us again. Well, I mean, I guess it's part of it too is they don't really have time to get into that. They're they're on the run the entire book um they're in they're they're in the under and the, we'll call it the underdark uh whatever this the 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 labyrinth that chapter that or that part of the book they're in there a very long time it's yeah. a very long part of the book <laughs> it takes them quite some time to get out of the labyrinth and uh and you're right i'm not so sure like the the space chuds paid off <laughs> well especially because they never came back they never referred back to them they're just like here's we're gonna fight these guys and then we move on to the next thing it was like a well they don't even fight them no that's they true just they just get, get away maul maul kills them right yeah maul comes through and kills them uh, oh it just know? felt like I a mean, some like a bad part of a D campaign like okay now you have to defeat 
all right, you have to get past this block. All right, now you have to get past this. Okay, now we've got oh, a giant worm. It totally worm. was a dungeon. It, it was totally a dungeon crawl. It uh, was absolutely a dungeon crawl. I just kept imagining like a bad late 90s video game, you know, where you've got like the crappy flashlight and you don't know which way to go. And every once in a while, an enemy pops up. It's like, oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, it was absolutely a Dungeons and Dragons dungeon crawl where you're going from, from cavern to cavern, discovering new things, running into new monsters, trying to get to your goal. But I think, I don't know, I think this book does a good job of making him a, a force, though. Making him a, a frightening, like, I never doubted for a second he was going to find his quarry. I never doubt for a second that he's capable of doing so. Um, I think it gives a good, I mean, this book is Legends. We should point out, I guess, that this book is Legends. But no reason for it not to be canon. I, I mean, there's small stuff here and there about the Kyber crystals still being sent and where he's egg. from too. Yeah, yeah, and that he's not from Dathomir; he's from Iridonia. Iridonia, yeah, yeah. That 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 part, the Iridonia part, you know, is not canon anymore. But but yeah, I think like I don't know. I thought it did a good job of presenting this. You know, you no, know, he doesn't talk in the movie very much, but. And he doesn't talk a ton in this. I don't know. To me, like getting his uh, seeing him in action in a way against normal people, you know, and, and eventually against some Jedi. But seeing him in action and seeing that I really I really liked. The insight into his dedication. Yeah. To Palpatine, the insights into how he thinks like he's like, if I if I screw up, I'm going to get punished mm-hmm. and that's OK because I'll deserve it. Yeah. Anytime, anytime I'm getting punished, I deserve to be punished. Well, it's like we were talking in the uh, before about how like tragic he is. Like it, this book's very good about showing how brainwashed and what Shiva's done to him. Like, yeah, we're scared of him, and he he just hates the Jedi, but he doesn't really have a reason to. Like in this book, like it's just that that's what he's been taught. These people are awful, and they. Yeah. Step well, into stuff and unlike in in this timeline, he got him as a baby, right? Yeah, yeah. And unlike Dooku or Anakin, Palpatine's raised him to be a Sith since he was a child. Mm-hmm. So he knows nothing else but hating the Jedi. He knows nothing else but getting revenge for the Sith. I think Palpatine almost picks him because he knows he'll never try to usurp him. Yeah. I think one of my favorite little scenes they have is when he, they take the field trip to the Jedi Temple when he's younger and just like stand outside and stare at it. And him. talk smack. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst case of Stockholm Syndrome ever. And it's reading it going, oh, this is how people stay in cults. This is how people grow up to remain in these crazy, crazy cults is because they've just they've never known anything else. Why do you hate the Jedi so much? I don't know. <laughs> Wait till you get to Path of Deceit if you don't, if you want to talk about cults. Get ready for a cult. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I, I I think I just thought that the insights into what drives him, which is a hundred percent, a thousand percent, what drives him is pleasing Palpatine mm-hmm. and doing Palpatine's bidding, and um, uh, because it is quite literally all he's known 
You know, Dooku has had an entire life um, behind him when he becomes Darth Tyrannus and he's his own man and he probably has aspirations to, to, to knock Palpatine off if he ever gets a chance. Um, Anakin, we know that Vader has those aspirations kind of later on, um, but he gets Anakin when he's an adult, but having him as a child, you know, think about the dedication that the Jedi show when they're raised from children. Now flip that on its head and make it a Sith and Uh you get an evil bastard that, that, um, you know, I, I like that he only kills when he has to, but not because he doesn't, not because he has any kind of sanct, not because he cares about the sanctity of life, but because he doesn't want to draw attention. He just, he's very efficient in the way he does things. There's an honor to him though, still, which I kind of like, like his twisted, like, yeah, that one's pretty badass. I'll, uh, I respect that. I'll, I'll yeah. give you an easy death. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to kill that when they earned it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Because when he's trying to, when he's going after Darsha, he's like, mm, "Yeah, she's not going to be any fun. It's it's not going to be a good enough fight." Like Lorne, Lorne doesn't really fight him, but you know, he he put up a good chase. So, speaking of Darsha, so this is the first book of. You know, there's not really a name for it, but I guess the new era, right? This is the first book in the kind of continuity in nine in 2000 after the prequels. Like the other EU still going, you're getting you know X-wing and all that stuff, but this is the first one we get. It. I think this is the first time we get incompetent Jedi. Like this is where <laughs> you start to see like what is wrong with these people because they're like, yeah, all right, so listen up, 15 year old, you're heading down to the most dangerous part of Coruscant. There's when her master even the- says, her master even <laughs> yeah. says it's a bad idea. <laughs> but go anyway. Yeah. yeah. This is definitely prequel era Jedi. Yeah. And this is where it starts, right? This yeah. is the first time we see them like, good God. Like, what are you people thinking? <laughs> and she, yeah. she honestly, and you can tell it's prequel era Jedi because she also is the least interesting character in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then they follow it up with, all right, well, we sent the first 15-year-old down there. You know Something who should real go bad check? happened. A master's bring, messed up, too. Go ahead and bring another kid up here. Let's let's send him down and see what happens. Yeah, I didn't even mention the fact that Obi-Wan gets involved. Yeah. Also, Obi-Wan's around. They send his little butt down there, who's, like, in the book, like, basically saying, like, yep, I'm not the best fighter. Um, but, but all right, here we go. But it's fine. I think I-5 gets the worst fate, though. Oh. Yeah. That was good. Is he, that was messed up. Is he the most human droid we've seen? Because he really did have the most personality. Uh, he did. Like I mean, he definitely. Sentience. He's up there for sure. He's, he, he's up there. I mean, it, I like the idea that he has a. I mean, I mean, this isn't entirely unprecedented. Like uh-huh. Zuckus has a droid as a partner. That's true. You know, so so the idea that uh, a droid would be treated as an equal is not completely unprecedented. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and Zuckus is shown to be, or four LOM is shown to be, um, sentient, fairly sentient, right? Yeah. I, I I liked the uh, I five 
and uh, dynamic with Lauren mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit. I actually thought it was one of the. I thought it. I thought it was kind of the one, the emotional center of the. It was of the book. Uh, but yeah, he's he's up there as far as self-aware droids that we've had to deal with for sure. Which made it made it ups, more upsetting for him for what happens to him at the end. He go gets his go gets his memory wiped. Yeah, and, and then he's gonna have to serve this whoever this guy is, the guy who owns a restaurant that lets Lorne have a ship. I thought it was a fun a fun uh, bit though when he he brought the holocron to a senator and then sent it to us. He's like senator. You know, this mm-hmm. needs to get to the Jedi. This is important, whatever he says. And then Senator Palpatine goes, thank you. <laughs> Sheep's like, thanks, buddy. Mm-hmm. This book also really taught me that there are serious safety concerns in the Star Wars galaxy with locking your door. Because all you got to <laughs> do is shoot it. Like, what, yeah. what's the point of having a lock? <laughs> like, all you got to do, doot, and now it's open. But that's also how you close it. That's true. Star Wars magic, man. <laughs> it's a, that's how you that's how you lock it. That's how you open it. Also, if I owned a droid and laser finger is an option, every droid I have is having laser Everything finger. Everything has laser fingers. Laser finger. Yeah. Just put that on board. <laughs> and odd voice modulation hangover cure. Oh yes. I, I need everything. Oh, and he has a hangover cure. Yeah. Everything has finger lasers and hangover cures built in. Yeah, he emits this he's able he has a sonic emitter that's able to emit some sort of pattern that hey, cures your hangover. It's awesome. It's super useful. <laughs> Lauren uses it a bunch. <laughs> That would be useful. And it comes in useful later when they're dealing with the, mm-hmm. the space chuds. We should talk a little bit about um, the audiobook. I was ready to talk a lot about the audiobook. Yeah. Um, I know, Ryan, you just read it, right? Yeah, I just read it. Sam Witwer kills it. Oh, my God. He should narrate everything. He absolutely kills it. Um he does obviously he does a great maul because he is maul, but he does an amazing Palpatine, an amazing Palpatine, and he does all the other characters really well too. But he has this habit in the story of of Beth, and we talked about this right before we started recording, that when he's th- he thinks in Maul's voice, so and then if Maul starts thinking about Palpatine, he slides into Palpatine's voice in his thoughts. And he's always constantly sliding in and out of the different voices that he can do. And it's really effective. And it's a really, I don't know, I, I've never heard it done that way before. Well, and it, it makes sense, though, because you would think that if Maul is thinking about Sheev constantly, because he is thinking about Sheev constantly, that he thinks about what his master would say about this or what his master would think about this. And he would think it in his head, in that voice. But I've just never heard it done in a narration before. And it's so good. It's so effective. And all his other voices are good. But just the way he slips in, he's Maul, and then he slips into Sheev, and he slips back out to Maul. It's so well done. His purpose was to serve his master, no matter what the assignment was. 
if Darth Sidious knew he was having such doubts, the Sith Lord would severely punish him, such as he had not been punished since he was a child. And Maul would not resist, even though he was now a grown man, because Sidious would be right to do so. Yeah, it was seamless. It was seamless. So let me ask, because this was what were he recorded it this year. So obviously we're, you know, 20 odd years past Phantom Menace. How does he handle like new gunray in them? He does a new gunray. Does he? Uh, 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 that, that is true, Lord Sidious. They stick yeah. with it? He sticks with new gunray. Yeah. 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 Unlike in... Um, Oh God, what was the book with the Nemoidians that we read? Was it Padawan? Not Padawan. No, uh, Brotherhood. Brotherhood, yeah. Brotherhood, yeah. where they where the audiobook kind of fudged the Nemoidians a little bit so they didn't sound like they were going to sell you a gremlin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so they, they did that. And he, he did change it up for the other Nemoidians a little bit. Like Nemoidians mm. had different types of voices. But new Gunray, he did new Gunray. Well, I didn't find it problematic, though. I mean, I thought it was okay because Newt Gunray has an established voice. And since he changed the speech patterns of the other Nemoidians, it didn't, to me, it didn't come off as, you know, racist because it wasn't everybody has this accent. That's just the way Newt Gunray speaks and everybody speak, everybody else speaks differently. with Different accents and different inflections. Does he, uh, when he does the uh, Toydarian, does he talk like Watto? Because in my head, they all talk like that. <laughs> no, he doesn't no. talk like Watto. Oh, no. They all have no, to talk uh, like Ulf the Fondarian talks like, uh, sounds like Christopher Walken. And that was nice. Um, Darsha's Irish. Lorne sounds like Sam Witwer's impression of Han Solo. But all the, all the voices are still good. And... and yeah, they are. Even, even his, he has a good Christopher Walken impression. Yeah, and I thought his female voices worked as well. I mean, and, at least um, as well as Mark Thompson does. Why he, I think, is so successful at this is because he's not just this guy who played Darth Maul. He loves Star Wars. He absolutely loves it. Like he, he, I follow him on Twitter. He streams all the time himself playing Star Wars games. He just loves being a part of Star Wars, and I'm a huge fan. Well, this isn't his only character, right? Right. So, I'm a huge fan of anybody who is a big Star Wars nerd as well, and is good at. And he's pretty. Well, and he's pretty. You know, it doesn't hurt. I'm I'm saying that for me. I'm saying I'm saying that for me. He's also very pretty. He's a hunky, hunky dreamboat. He is. Yes, that just happens to love Star Wars. And Shwek, a little piece for you that I'm <laughs> Shwek. I'm surprised you to that you did not uh, notice that the Jedi that Darth Maul really, really well, wants I to fight. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, yeah. don't worry. You better believe I noticed. First name he wants to fight, but he knows better. He's got to beat up on fifteen-year-olds. <laughs> he comes against Plue, and things are going down. He does. He does mention very early on that he wanted to fight <laughs> somebody tough like Plo Koon. And, and if Plo Koon's not available, he'd take a, 
he'd take Mace Windu, but you know, he'd, he'd take Mace Windu. He'd be thinking about Plo Koon the whole time. Darth Maul knows what's up. Uh, that was funny. <laughs> I read it and then I had to stop and laugh at it and think about you and then keep reading. And the best part is this is like, he wrote this while the movie's coming out. This is before Plumania has hit the nation. <laughs> uh, who can forget Plu- summer of summer of Coon? <laughs> who can forget it? <laughs> it was like it was like 1989 in Batman. It was <laughs> it was it was that level of fervor. It's all the kids could talk about. Mm-hmm. It's like when a new Harry Potter book was coming out. I mean, I remember Halloween. It was nothing but blue coons getting Snickers <laughs> left and right. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen a costume for him? No, no. I still haven't gotten that mask either because I've never seen it in stores, and it's really expensive online. Oh, they have a mask for him. Yeah, when uh, who was it? Sideshow, I think, was Ooh. doing those masks at Walmart. Um, they did a. Uh, Bosk and an emperor, um, and a plo, and Plukun was one of the choices they made. And I saw the other ones, and I never saw that one. It's very sad. It's too bad. I, yeah. I would. I would insist that you wear it while we record. If I ever got it, you would turn this on, and you would <laughs> see me just sitting here in it. It, it may um, not be the best Star Wars book I've ever read, but damn, it's it's up there as one of the best audiobooks for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, but not just reading it, Ryan. What was your response this time? Or had you read it before? Uh, I had read it. I I definitely didn't read it when it came out. Um, I probably read it like ten years later, maybe, and yeah. it's still just it's. I think I liked it better this time after getting the whole Darth Maul story. And so that stuff with Sheev hits a little harder and like where he's at right then. And you know, what's going to happen. But I mean, like I said, like overall, I think it's, it's just hurt by, you know, how it's going to end. It's one of those books where it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. You don't think you don't think though that that gives it a sense of dread. Yeah, yeah, I do think that's effective. Like you know, they're not getting out of this. Like you know, those Jedi are screwed. You're just waiting for how it's going to happen. I think the Obi Wan stuff is really unnecessary. It was. I don't know why they brought Obi Wan into it at all. To bring in a character that you know isn't going to die. Yeah, it was inconsequential. To the story too and you know he's not going to run into darth maul as well because mm-hmm. you can't possibly see him so kind of yeah. like i almost wish there had been i think it could have worked if there was a scene where he almost sees him like they're on like a dead-on collision course to see one another and something happens and he doesn't or if he had like heard the word kenobi Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Just cause that, just cause that word haunts him for so long mm-hmm. that if he had just heard that word for the first time somehow, but, but not met him. Um, but I think them running into each other or them even getting close to running into each other would have been a little too much for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You're right. Now knowing all of Maul's story, even though this is legends, who cares? 
knowing all of Maul's story to kind of get this is kind of the first Maul story. Mm-hmm. I also I also love the fact that like he's this caged animal, right? Like all he wants to do is go and kill Jedi, and he hasn't been able to yet. He's been, you know, and, and Sheev actually lets him off his leash. Mm-hmm. And then he's disappointed when he is. He's like, this is just crap. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> Thought I was going to get like an awesome challenge. and Right. And I get this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do like he gets outsmarted a little bit. Oh, but, yeah. He's yeah, not he on- wins. But like he has to realize like Darsha outsmarts him at the yeah. end. And he gets faked out by her. And so you see some of like the chinks in his confidence. Yeah, he's not he's not omniscient. You know, he's just powerful and scary and competent and efficient and you know and doesn't expect everybody to blow themselves up also i just like to find i hate when they carbon freeze people like i don't like it i don't like it on the mandalorian yeah i don't like it there either that it's that it's this common thing that we know isn't common it was i mean he's they say in empire strikes back this is used for carbon freeze we don't know if he'll survive this it's not meant for it, it's it's for carbon freezing to ban a gas. Right. Yeah, apparently, you don't even know the machine. You can like set it to wake you up in an hour and just hop right in. Yeah, yeah, that was a little. Yeah. I was ho- like, I do. I think it would have been, and they couldn't have done this back then. But I think it would have been cool too if, and it would change the end. But if when they went to carbon freezing, if he had woken up. Like in the middle of the empire or something. Instead of being an hour, like he wake, they wake up and just like, whoa. That'd be a way for him to survive the thing. That would have been yeah. a way for him to survive the book is if mm-hmm. he stayed in carbon freezing and woke up, you know. So wait, he's he's Ash in Army of Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. In the director's cut. Yes. Yeah. He 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 wakes up and it's like he wakes up during the first order. <laughs> that would be cool. What if it would have been even higher point is if he woke up and he said, I have to hide myself because I have this no knowledge. I will no go, now go by Dash Rindar. This <laughs> <laughs> is like the secret. Oh, that would have been great. Of Dash Rindar. Oh, that would have been so good. The Jedi. How he hated them. How he loathed their hollow sanctimoniousness, their pretense of piety, their hypocrisy. How he longed for the day when their temple would be a ruin of smoking rubble, littered with their crushed corpses. If he closed his eyes, he could see the apocalypse of the Order as vividly as if it were reality. It was reality, after all. A future reality, but nonetheless valid. It was destined, ordained, predetermined. And he would be instrumental in bringing it about. It was what his entire life had been designed for. So, Chad, what are we going to be talking about next time? The High Republic is back. Yay. The High Yay. Republic is back. Um, we will, next time, we're going to be talking about High Republic Path of Deceit by Tessa Grattan and Justina Ireland. Um, it, uh, for those not paying attention, this new, this is wave two. 
phase two, wave two. I get the phases and waves I confused. I can't. I can't. I remember. I think it's phase two, um, wave one of uh, of the High Republic. It takes place like 150 years before the books we've already read, and uh, we're starting off with the the first release, uh, which is a YA novel. Uh-huh. I believe is the is the first release, um, and we're gonna find out what what happened on Dolmen, as they teased in the last YA novel. I will say this is much more what I thought the High Republic was going to be like in the first place. Yeah, it's 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 good, and, and it's good to be back in the High Republic. And so we'll be hitting. So as the High Republic stuff comes out, we'll be talking about it. I'm sure we'll talk about the Young Reader book. Um, we'll talk about the adult book, of course. Um, the comics are about ready to start back up, so um, High Republic's going to be back. Well, thank you guys, and thanks everyone for joining us. We will talk to you all soon. Roger, roger!